This week, we have another full slate of games to look forward to. Luckily for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered with so many different ways to get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. Plus, they have new odds, boosts, and promotions on your favorite sports every day. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever, you don't even have to leave your house. And for those where sports betting is not yet available, head to the DraftKings app and check out all of their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SI when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code SI to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone, able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid, dating back to 1999, has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the Glide, guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson and Michael Fabiano. Yo, what's up? Welcome inside the SI Fantasy Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Fantasy executive Corey Parson and Michael Fabiano coming to you right before we get into the final four round of the NFL. Mike, what's up with you, my man? Oh, man, I'm excited for these games. Like, this is this is one of those rare postseasons where it doesn't matter who wins this weekend. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. No doubt. It doesn't matter who wins. Like, you know, we've seen in the past where maybe maybe a, you know, a lower seed team has snuck in and you know, if they won, it wouldn't be as good. I always I always go back to that that season where remember when Minnesota was 15 and 1 and Randall Cunningham was the quarterback and they had just a ridiculous team. And Denver was clearly the best team in the AFC. And we all wanted to see the Vikings and the Broncos in the Super Bowl. And ultimately, Atlanta and Chris Chandler came around and beat the Vikings in the NFC Championship game, which everyone was shocked by. And then the Super Bowl wasn't all that good because Atlanta was not as good as Denver. We don't have that this year. Like, it doesn't matter who goes. It's going to be fun. Okay, cool. And I agree with you on that. You know what I'm saying? I I think there is... um... The combinations, no matter which way you go, is right. That Atlanta Super Bowl, um, I remember the – I was living with my man Frank. My man Frank My man Frank White mm-hmm. is from um, Norwalk, Connecticut. Oh, yeah, okay. And he is a humongous Minnesota Vikings fan. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, that, that, that Sunday – this is we were in college in Orangeburg, South Carolina – that Sunday, he just was like, yo, I don't feel good about this. I've been a Viking fan for a long time. I just know something's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, something did happen. You know what I mean? And I mean, just to see, like, the pain on his face. And then fast forward 
to the Teddy Bridgewater year with the uh, with the um when Teddy Bridgewater was a Viking quarterback mm-hmm. and they lost that game to the Saints because of that field goal. I mean to the to the not the Saints, the um Russell Wilson, the the Seahawks because of that missed field goal. It's like we've seen Vikings fans been through stuff like that a lot, but that Atlanta Falcon team was not uh was not prepared for uh for the Broncos at that time. No. That and no one thought they were getting there. Like everyone I don't remember what the spread was, but Minnesota had to be a big favorite in that game. You know, they had only lost one game all season long. I'm trying to think. I feel like that may have been Pat Summerall and John Madden's final broadcast. It, it might have been. It might have been. Boy, I missed them. Best yeah, they were the best ever. ever. They were the best ever now. Breen, Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson are also very good, but they're not to the level of Madden and Summerall yet. Mm-hmm. But they're getting close. Like they have some legendary moments, yeah. and they're they're a very good trio. But Matt and Summerall were, were the best. And it's interesting that we talk about that, Mike, because I know you get asked a lot. I get asked a lot about how people break into like the fantasy sports industry. Me and in my situation, it was kind of like um, I'm just a radio guy. Honestly, started playing fantasy football. It kind of took over my life. And I just got a chance to work on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio mm-hmm. and, you know, just being a producer and, and doing stuff like that. When the channel was built, like we were a part of the team that built the channel. So obviously you were the very first guest I had on. I remember uh, emailing uh, NFL PR and I brought you on and, and they, they got back to me and we, and we brought you on. And that was like you were the very first guest that I had on. And it's so funny that a lot of people over the years have told me you were the first person to give me a shot on the radio. You know what I'm saying? And just to see those careers develop and stuff like that. So with me, you know, producing. And then I remember one time, um, one of the hosts was like, well, you can get on the microphone and say it. And after that, everybody was like, wait a minute, have you done this before? And I was like, no, but I listened to WFAN for my entire childhood. You know what I'm saying? So radio kind of transformed into, well, it was, it was really Mike. It was a love for football, love for the Mm -hmm. Dallas Cowboys, a love for Mm -hmm. football. That turned into a love for sports radio that just turned into a love for fantasy football. And now it's kind of brought me to the point today with a lot of twists and turns and upside downs. And I, I know you've gone through a lot. How did, when did your love for the NFL start? Dude, I, I can remember the game. I don't exactly remember the year, but I remember the first NFL game I ever watched. It was the Eagles against the Vikings. It was Tommy Kramer against Ron Jaworski. Yeah. It was at my aunt Sophie's house, and that was the first NFL game I ever watched. And again, I'd have to go back and look. I mean, early 80s, very, very yeah. early 80s. It may have even been the season that uh, Philadelphia went to the Super Bowl. I can't remember. Then the I, I became a Cowboys fan because America's team, they were always on television. I loved Danny White and Tony Dorsett and Drew Pearson. Like, loved yeah. those guys. They were, they were just amazing. You know, the doomsday defense, it was, it was tremendous. And I remember like, you know, the offensive line, remember how they would, they, they would, would stand up and clap their hands. Yeah. Right. I, th- mm-hmm. that was always cool. And so my first heartbreak as a football fan was the catch. Yes. Mine's too. And that game that's my was, earliest childhood memory is the catch. The, the most thrilling game that I remember as a kid that really solidified my fandom with football was the Miami Dolphins San Diego Chargers playoff game where it was just back and forth back and forth that was the the I believe that was the the hook and ladder game with Tony Nathan 
And Don Strock was the quarterback for the Dolphins. And the Chargers ultimately won the game. Uh, Ralph Banerska field goal. It was the game where Kellen Winslow, remember, at the end had to be helped. Carried off the field. field. Yeah, he was so exhausted, exhausted. Yep. from that game. So that that game was just bananas. And and that's that's really where it, it kind of all started for me. But that that Minnesota Philadelphia game. Now I'm going to go back and look and see what year it was. That was the first game I ever saw uh, uh, in, in terms of an NFL contest. Now mine's was the catch. Obviously, uh, you, you, my, my 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 pops was a big Dallas Cowboy fan. My father uh, used to idolize um, Bullet Bob mm-hmm. Hayes. So when Bob Hayes went to the NFL, he started following the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, you know, being a little boy, you do everything your father do. And I remember watching the game. Mm-hmm. And Dwight Clark caught that pass in the back of the end zone. A lot of people don't remember this. The Cowboys still almost won that game. Basically, they did. A shoot, and yeah, a shoot were, tackle away from winning that game. Well, and also too, if there were horse collar tackles back in that time, the Niners might have got caught for one. Yeah. Again, remember right after right after the Niners scored that touchdown, the Cowboy Danny White had the Cowboys, you know, moving down the field, and I believe the call would have been on uh, Drew Pearson. Yeah, it, it was it, the Cowboys almost came back and won that game. Uh, yep, they almost it, won that game. After they lost, I went. I was probably no older than three or four years old. I went underneath the table and cried. <laughs> and, and and right then, Mike, that's when it started. And that game that you're talking about, I remember that game as well. Yeah. To me, that's the second best football game I've ever seen. Now, mind you, I'm also very young at this time. Mm-hmm. But I remember being in South Carolina at my uncle's house. My uncle was like the first black principal in, in Clarendon County, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Clarendon County is the county of Brown versus the Board of Education. So he was kind of like a big deal. And he would just sit in this rocking chair and smoke a pipe. And he would just sit in that rocking chair smoking the pipe and we were just sitting there watching this amazing football game. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's when we're very similar in that uh, with, with, with those big games and stuff like that. So, you know, it, that's kind of where it started. You know what I'm saying? But up there in Connecticut, being a Dallas Cowboy fan, how did that go? Because I know I used to, you know, me, uh, going to St. Raymond's High School for boys in the Bronx. I mean, all boys Catholic high school. Everybody was a sports fan. We had a big, big, big time basketball team. Um, still a big time basketball program now in the Bronx, New York. And, you know, just being in high school and, you know, kicking it with the fellas and then the lunch table and cafeteria and making fun of each other's teams and stuff like that. And that's kind of where the like the where that's where I kind of got into the Knicks and I got a little bit more into the Yankees and making fun of Met fans and stuff like that. So um, how was how, how was those years coming up as as a young Michael Fabiano? By the way, I found the game Sunday, October 18th, 1981 Vikings Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings won 35-23 and it was a fantasy bonanza. Jaworski had 330, two touchdowns. And Tommy Kramer threw four touchdown passes in the game. That's the game that that was the first game, really. Uh, that I was like, whoa, this is cool. And then at that point, you know, I was watching, you know, I was watching the Cowboys. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then ultimately later on that, you know, what was the catch game. So but that, uh, yeah, that's it, man. So they also played one another. If I if I if I remember correctly, I think think they played Minnesota and Philadelphia played each other in the postseason the year before I want to say uh and the Eagles won uh, ultimately the Eagles ended up going to the Super Bowl and playing uh playing the Oakland Raiders so uh but I, I gotta be honest I was I didn't matter what sport it was I yeah. loved all sports 
I mm-hmm. like I'm still a diehard Yankees fan. I love the Yankees, even though like early '80s, you know, was when they were they, they started to stink. Like you know, it was down. Had, it was it was down years. They had the World Series against the Dodgers, and then everything kind of went downhill for for that decade. I dude. And, and I, I have fallen out of the NBA. I, like, I'll, I'll watch a game from time to time. I've been a Lakers fan my whole life, and I know I get crap because, you know, of all my teams, but whatever it is, what That's it is. tough. My first let, – let me see Let me see if uh, – if, if, and, you, and you'll remember this one. The first game I ever watched, the first game, NBA game I ever watched, Magic Johnson's rookie season, NBA Finals, Philadelphia 76ers, Magic plays center because Kareem is hurt and Magic goes bananas. And I uh-huh. fell in love. Right? That was that was Magic's rookie year. Yep. I fell in love with Magic Johnson. It wasn't about and and, and like for me and a lot of folks out there, a lot of folks out there love Michael Jordan, became Bulls fans, and they live nowhere near Chicago. Of course. A lot of folks out there became Cavs fans because they love LeBron James. They didn't live anywhere near Cleveland. A lot of times it's the player. And that player's team is the team that you adopt. Yes. And so that was it for me with the Lakers, even though they were, you know, on the on the on the left coast. I loved Magic Johnson. I loved him. Loved him. One of one of the the memories I have of a sports fan is when Magic, you know, announced that he had HIV. I remember yeah. where I was. I was in my college dorm room. I own a college, New Rochelle, New York, and I was heartbroken, man. I, oh, I was son, you went to Iona? I was at Iona for two years. Wow, I, I I grew up in Co-op City in the Northeast yeah, Bronx. Like, yeah, no, yeah, we probably walked past each other at some point. <laughs> That's know? crazy that you went to Iona. So when you were in Iona, um, I believe because see, when I was you were in Iona at that time, I was my senior year at St. Raymond's in the Bronx, and okay. I remember coming home watching that that news conference, and I I never forget this. I remember the next morning getting off the six train. And it used to be like a little, uh, like a little um, bodega right there on the corner, mm-hmm. and it had the Daily News outside. And I looked at the cover of the Daily News, and it was Magic Johnson on the cover of the Daily News. And I remember at that moment saying, "This is going to be something I remember for the rest of my life." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll never forget it, dude. I, I had this little crappy black and white television, it, old school with the dial, no remote control, <laughs> and that and that actually was the TV that I used to sneak watching Lakers games on at night. Because it was way past my bedtime. Yeah, it had a it had a it had a plug for headphones, so I would watch that television all the time, black and white, little crap box. But my mother couldn't hear me because they couldn't hear the TV because I had the headphones on. I would listen to the TV on the headphones and hope she didn't wake up to use the bathroom and see the light from the TV shine and that I'd get in trouble. But I used to do that all. I used to watch all the Lakers, whether it was the playoffs, the championship games they played against, you know, Boston or whoever it was at the time. Used to watch those games wicked late, man, on the East Coast because I just loved Magic Johnson and I loved the Lakers. I I was a huge NBA fan. In fact, when I broke into the industry, I broke in as a fantasy basketball analyst. As a writer. I remember, I, mean, I, 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 I heard that. Analyst. Yeah, it wasn't even analyst. The first TV show that I did was in Secaucus, New Jersey, with Rick Kamla. Rick Campbell. <laughs> Shout yeah, out to Secaucus, New Jersey. That's where and I go that, place my bets pre pre COVID. And that that show came on the night that Brett Favre, I think, had four touchdown passes against the Raiders after his father had passed. After his father had died. Wow. Okay. So I very similar story. So with me, what what is high started with me was when the Yankees would go on West Coast trips. See, the NBA I didn't get into until until the Knicks hired Rick Pitino. That's when I got into the NBA. 
But um, what happened was the very first time the Yankees went on a West Coast trip, I was like, man, I can't stay up late to watch this game. Mm-hmm. So whenever the Yankees would go out west or they'd be playing in the Midwest and it would be past my bedtime, here's a bedtime story and get back into the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> Tony Dorsett, 99-yard oh, touchdown oh, run yes, on, yes. on Monday Night Football. Yes. My, father, my father said, you can stay up and watch the first drive. That's all he gave me. He said, you can stay up tonight and watch the first. Because my night football would come out at 9 o'clock. Yeah. You can stay on and, and watch the first drive. And I remember watching the first drive had that 99-yard touchdown run, and I was euphoric. And years later, I ended up meeting Tony Dorsett Jr. And I told him that story, and he said his mother said to him, you can watch the first drive. Oh, and that crazy. run was on the first drive. Yeah, so no doubt about it. But then what happened was – yeah, Go that ahead. was 82. That was like the regular season finale. It was a Monday Night Football game. Yeah, against yep. the Vikings. I'll never forget that. I'll never yep. forget it. We, and we so, lost the game, too. Yeah, we lost the game. The only, the only points they scored in that game was that run. They even missed the extra point. So what ended up happening <laughs> was, Mike, um, I remember that Christmas, I asked, I, asked, I was walking down uh, Broadway, and I had this little store, a little electronic store, and I saw a little portable radio. And I told my grandmother I want her to buy me the portable radio for Christmas. And that's exactly, I got the portable radio for Christmas and I put the headphones in and I put it underneath my pillow and that's how I would listen to the Yankees. But what ended up happening was I fell in love with the guy that came on after the Yankees, Steve Summers. Years later, Ah, I got to meet the smoozer. Years later, I got to meet Steve Summers and I told him I grew up listening to you. And his response was classic Steve Summers. He said, you must need therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up... I'm Mike and the Mad Dog. I I would yep. never ever 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 miss an episode ever. Whenever there was a big news item in sports, the 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 most excited part of the uh, uh, of the following day was listening to Mike and Dog's reaction. Yep, no love doubt. Those guys love so, them, love them, love them. My thing was going to sleep. I would always I wouldn't like turn the radio off and go to sleep. I would fall asleep with the radio on, and then I would wake up and I'd be listening to Imus in the morning, mm-hmm. and I was like. I want to do what Imus does. That was that was that's that was my career goal. I want to be a morning radio personality. And if you remember Imus in the morning, the update anchor was Mike Breen. And to this day, Mike Breen is my favorite person in broadcasting. I've got the chance to meet and work with like all of my favorites. I never met Don Imus, but I, I got a chance to meet um Mike Breen. I've worked with um you know, I, I've I have done a I've done I've worked with Mike Francesa once. I'm not really the biggest Mike Francesa guy. I obviously worked with Craig Carton most recently. You know what I'm saying, and was always a big fan of his. Um, so that's kind of like where my thing got started. But then Mike, I said I went to college and I was like I'm just gonna go get a regular job, and that's when kind of was like so I just got a job and you know had my 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 first my first child and I was just working and then I got to the point where I was like yo I can't do this no more. I have to get into the media. I got to get into sports radio. And I had won a contest down in D.C. It was uh, to be a sportscaster contest. And it was the year um, I, I, won, I won the contest at, I can't think of the name, the Green Turtle. And, and the winner got a chance. The winner got two tickets to the Wizards game that night. And the winner got a chance to go on a show called Washington Post Live. And I went on Washington Post Live and I predicted that the Giants would beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And I met Brian Mitchell. And Brian Mitchell brought me on as an intern 
on his radio show, which used to be uh, WTAM 980 in D.C. It's now uh, 980 ESPN, home of the Washington football team. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where I got started in the radio business. I started playing fantasy in like 03. My first team was a two-quarterback league. My quarterbacks were Peyton Manning and Steve McNair, and this just happened to be the year that they were the co-MVPs. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I had I had the same situation, you know, minus the contest uh, that, that you won. I went to school for sportscasting, you know, mass media, TV, radio, all that kind of thing. I always wanted to be, you know, my dream as a kid was to be a sportscaster on ESPN. Yeah. You know, like Chris Berman, you know, whatever the case may be. And so – when I got out of college, I couldn't get a job anywhere in the industry. I, I would I would show up in a suit and a tie to radio stations and TV stations all across Connecticut with a resume. I got nowhere. Yep. And I remember I, I was I, I worked with uh, my best friend uh, who's still my best friend Dan Onofrio, and I was working at a, a place called Environmental Data Resources EDR, and I was pulling like maps for clients who were basically looking to build on, on a piece of land and they had to go back and look and make sure that the land wasn't, you know, once contaminated, there was a gas, whatever the case may be. That's what I was doing. And I, I was getting frustrated and I was almost ready to give up. And they had a newsletter and it was, the newsletter was literally like six pieces of paper stapled together. And I started writing a sports column for the newsletter and people within, within the company would start emailing me, you know, Hey, I read your column and you know, this kind of thing. And at this point, this is when the internet hit. So I jumped online and I grabbed uh, two or three different websites that that let amateur sports writers promote their promote their content. Like one of them was called esports.com. There was a couple of others too. And started a mailing list. Like this is old school. Like there's no podcast. There's no social media. There's none of yeah, it. Yeah, it's like the, the message boards and stuff like that. Right. And so... I just started looking. I, I I probably wrote for six for six months. I would write about anything. I I would write about uh, the the tiger the tiger slam. I wrote about wrestling. I wrote about Marty McSorley. You know, hitting was it Donald Bashir with the with the hockey stick? I can't remember off the top of my head. I I remember writing about Neil Reed being choked by Bobby Knight. I I, I wrote about <laughs> anything and everything. And I was playing fantasy sports at the time. My first year playing fantasy was ninety eight. And uh, in fact, it was the year that Randall Cunningham was the quarterback of the Vikings where they should have went to the Super Bowl. I had Randall, I had Terrell Davis and Fred Taylor were my, were my, uh, my studs. Brad Johnson was my quarterback. He got hurt. Cunningham came in, was a beast. Later on in the year, I traded Michael Irvin and Jerome Bettis to get Fred Taylor. I tell, I tell Fred Taylor that story all the time. Yeah. So I just threw resumes out there, man. Once I got sort of comfortable with my writing and Got a job interview at commissioner.com, which was cbssportsline.com. Yep. It boiled down to myself and Tristan Cockroft, who's at ESPN right now. And they gave the job to Tristan. They reached out to me later on and said, hey, can you write 250 player profiles for basketball? We'll pay you. I was like, okay. I was still very kind of bummed out. I didn't get the job. Wrote the player profiles. I'll never forget it. It was a weekend afternoon. The Yankees were playing the Red Sox. So I was just sitting at my dad's house watching the game. And uh, a guy by the name of Dave Hirsch, who I'm still friends with at commissioner.com, called me and said, hey, man, listen, we couldn't decide between you and Tristan, so we're going to hire you both. Nice. And I ended up making uh, 
Corey, I was making $37,000 a year, my first yeah. year working for commissioner.com. Uh, Connecticut kid who ended up having to go into the city, into New York City, which I had been a million times, but, you know, never lived there. Moved to Staten Island. I would have, in the beginning, I was living in Connecticut. I would have to drive to Milford, Connecticut, take a train to Grand Central. From there, take a subway down to Battery Park. And, and then do, get on the, and do that, And then walk, and then walk to, uh, walk to the building. And we were really close to, we were really close to uh, the Trade Center also. So yeah. in fact, we, we ended up moving down to Florida. I moved down to Florida in March of that year. But if they, if they didn't transfer us all down to headquarters in Fort Lauderdale, I would have been there. I would have been on the Staten Island Ferry when the planes hit. So, uh, you know, I'm sure glad I wasn't there. Uh, you know, seeing it on television was, was traumatic enough. And, um, but yeah, that, that's what I did. I moved to Staten Island. I moved to Staten Island because I met a girl on the train, by the way. Yeah. And she lived on Staten Island. So I ended up living on Staten Island, would walk to the train station, take the train to the ferry, take the ferry across, would go by the Statue of Liberty every day, back and forth, twice a day, and uh, would then walk to walk to work. And that's that was my that was my gig for about six months. Then we moved down to Fort Lauderdale, and you know, and eventually I ended up meeting up with uh, some guys from the NFL, uh, Craig Allenport, and Mark Zimmerman, who yep. is now an agent, ironically, and um, you know, I ended up you know hooking up with the NFL. But at CBS, like I met a lot of great people. I I I just networked. And yeah. Anybody who's looking to get network, man, I met so many great people. I mean, I ended up starting a celebrity fantasy football league at CBS way back when because Jim Nance helped me out. Jim is still a dear friend of mine to this day, and like I just networked. I just worked my ass off and networked, and and you know did everything I possibly could uh, to 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 make a name for myself. And and that's where I was the first fantasy sports analyst on one of the four major networks. It wasn't yeah, no, that else. It was me. I was on CBS. It was me, Randy Cross, Gus Johnson. I have the DVD. My haircut was horrible. I looked like <laughs> a horrible haircut. I was terrible on the air. Um, but you know, we all we all sort of you know have to cut our teeth, and and that's 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 what it was, it, that, yeah. that, and that's how I got to where I am. And I remember my my situation is similar. Um, I was going through a a, a real tough time. You know what I'm saying. My son was already born. As my son was born right before September 11th. My son, my son will be uh my son will be 20 um my son will be 20 years old this year. My son was born right before September 11th. Now, I was looking for a job and I had a lady tell me to come down to One World Trade Center to interview for a job with the New Jersey Transit. But I had, but it was it was my son's very first trip to New York, so I could not make it down to the trade center on that fateful day. So, um, ended up, you know, my son starts growing up. I'm I'm hating work and stuff like that, just trying to make it. Always wanted to do the media and the broadcasting. Locked on with the Sirius XM, and then they had like when I I'm talking about Mike. I at the time I needed it the most, and they had a round of hires. Like this was they they had been on the air for six months, and they were getting ready to fill out and complete their staff. And it was probably about six strongly qualified candidates. Everybody was like, you're going to get one of those jobs. And I did not. The last job went to, and you probably know him, Andrew Phelps. Yep. And, yeah, Andrew, yep. I know yep. Andrew. Yep. So and it went to Andrew Phelps. And I was heartbroken. But I was, you know, I was able to hang in there. And I was just able to hang in there and stay the course. And, and you're talking about, listen, at, at the time, I was doing some part-time work for WFAN in New York. You talk, I was literally getting off of work at D.C. at 
3 o'clock or 12 o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. taking the Greyhound bus to New York, going straight to work at WFAN, leaving WFAN, getting back on the bus, going back to D.C. I used got to have it. a shift. Yeah, you got yeah, you had to hustle. Yeah. I used to sleep on the floor in the studio for entire weekends. Like I would do show, I would do a show, I would do two shows on a Friday night, sleep in the studio, wake up, do four shows on a Saturday morning, sleep in the studio, do three shows on Saturday night, wake up and do Fantasy Pros 911 with Lenny Melnick, Tony Sincata, and uh, Paul Greco. And that's and then I would go home on Sunday afternoon. That was wow. like my schedule for for a good minute. You know what I'm saying? But like you said, you had the work, you had the, the hustle, and you had the grind. But what ended up happening is um the producer, I'm talking about I'm getting ready to quit, Mike. The producer had made, the producer of the Roto Experts in the morning had made a comment mm-hmm. and they had to fire him. And when they fired him, they said, Corey, were you willing to move back to New York to be the full-time producer of the Roto Experts? And I said, yeah. And that's when I got to New York and I met the King Scott Angle. Yep. And it just, I yeah, yeah. was one of the guys who was uh, integral in hiring me at uh, commissioner.com. Yeah. Yep, uh huh. And Scott always. I, I met the guy too at an FS at an FS uh, FSTA convention. I met the Dave Hirsch guy that you talked about oh, okay. from Commissioner dot com. Yeah, I ended up meeting him. Yep. Um, and me and Scott, me Scott and Adam, we just hit it off right away. And to this the day, people email me. They send me messages, DMs. They be like, "Yo, I wish that you, Scott and Adam, can get back together just for one more fantasy mm-hmm. football season." I mean, Mike, we used to have that thing rocking, but. You know, it's kind of like when a show gets too big, like they 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 had like wait wait a minute, we got to throw some water on this thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. So they ended up throwing after about a good five years, they ended up just like listen, we we can't do this. I mean, we got to Corey, you have to go. Basically, it's what it boiled down to. It's Corey, you had to go. You know what I'm saying? But I was able to catch up and pick on with the Fantasy Sports Network, and that's when I really really started to 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 to, to um you know, to build the status and met guys like Scott and Ian and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. everybody loved what I was doing. And they were like, okay, you really have a future in this business. You know what I'm saying? So how did you get from CBS to NFL network? If you remember the NFL didn't have its own fantasy game, it was run by ESPN and then it was run by CBS. And so during the course of the, the NFL and CBS relationship, CBS Sportsline. I met with, again, Mark Zimmerman and Craig Allenport and became friendly with them. Anytime I'd come back to New York, I'd go and see those guys in the city. Like, they're great guys. I, I mean, I'm still friends with Craig to this day, and, and Mark is my agent now. Yeah. And so we, uh, you know, we just kept in touch. And when the NFL decided it was going to go in-house and have its own website, well, they were, you know, they, they were reaching out to, to people who they thought could help. And was Craig the editor? Craig was one of the editors. Yep. Yes. Noah, I remember Noah that. Fishback. I don't know if you remember Noah Fishback. He was also there. The name well. sounds familiar, but I never met him. I've met Craig several times. He was at Fox uh, for a time. So I got hired by the NFL to take over all of their fantasy football content. And remember, at this point, there was nothing, nothing. The NFL, the only fantasy content they did was Gil Brandt would write a column from time to time. And they had uh, a website called footballinjuries.com. It was Steve Cohen. Jay Steve Greger, Cohen. And Adam Kaplan, and those, and and that's like the only content they would have. Did Bob Harris have something to do with that at one point? It's possible. It's possible, okay. but I'm not 100 percent sure. But I remember, I remember footballinjuries.com yeah. and that yep. being Steve Cohen's baby. Yep, and Jay Glazer was part of it. Adam Kaplan was a part of it as well. So they went in house, 
and I got hired. I was making seventy thousand dollars a year at in L.A. Uh, moved out to uh, had never been to Los Angeles, you know, outside of one time to buy a car and get a, an apartment because I had no idea. Right, I'd only been here, you know, that one time for a couple of days, and like I wrote everything. The draft kit, I wrote all of it. The projections, I did all of it. All the player profiles, all the articles, everything. It was just me. I wrote everything. And I kept poking at the NFL Network producers. to be like, listen, you guys got to get fantasy on here. Like, yeah. you can incorporate it in anything. And people don't remember. The NFL was, was skittish at first. They didn't want to talk about fantasy football because they thought it crossed the line of gambling. Yeah, exactly. Then, Everybody was like that at first. Everybody yeah. was. And then... And then when they when they saw oh geez this is going to be a moneymaker for us and then they changed their you know changed their tune about it and so I would be like on NFL Total Access and again green as hell right I I had been on television you know three or four times like that was it I wasn't on a lot you know and so I was green I, I went on TA I did you know they, they had this show Team Cam it became a whole bunch of different things now it's NFL now and, and I just I hustled man and I got like some of the greatest memories I have freaking working with a Damian Tomlinson, you know, who I drafted in fantasy leagues or Terrell Davis and you know, like Kurt Warner. I got Kurt Warner playing fantasy football. He, yep. He's too competitive. Now he doesn't play anymore. Cause he gets too mad. <laughs> but like, I, like I, I, I just, I hustled, man. I hustled and, you know, NFL fantasy, you know, and, and I hate the way things ultimately ended, you know, due to a pandemic, but it is what it is. And like NFL fantasy was my baby. Yeah, it really was like there, it was just me in the beginning. And obviously it grew to, you know, to to have a, a daily hour show and everything else. And, you know, there were some really good people that I worked with, uh, you know, during my time there. Most of the people there I absolutely love. But that um, that was how I got into the NFL, man. And I just pushed and pushed and networked. And, you know, now I'm working for Sirius XM and Stevie Cohen, who I who I loved. Steve was in like one of my first fantasy football celebrity leagues. Yeah, your uh, king was in that league as well. I love Steve. I've I've you know been friends with Steve for for years and years and years, yeah. and and now like even though things like oh wow you know th- this 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 last year has been a really tough one for me you know professionally and personally uh, not going to really get into it but I mean now I get to work with you and Scott Atkins and Ian and and, and Ben and Bill I mean like the list goes on and on and it's like now it's like a new it, it's like a new adventure for me. And, you know, trying to put Sports Illustrated even further on the map. Like, now I want to kick the NFL's ass, man. I want to kick yeah. ESPN's ass. I want to kick CBS's ass. And a lot of great people that work for those places, no disrespect. But I want to be the best. That's always what I wanted to do is be the best. And so, like, I have that motivation. A lot of the folks at Sports Sports Illustrated have that motivation. So, like, now now I'm here. And, dude, like, Sports Illustrated, that was part of my life when I was a kid. When that magazine came out and I got that magazine in the mail, that was my Christmas gift every single year. One of my gifts was the Sports Illustrated subscription and whatever gift came with it. Typically, it was something related to the Dallas Cowboys, yep. you know? And, and like, so now I'm back in the spot where, you know, I was with the NFL where I'm trying to, you know, build something, help help build something great. And you guys yep. have already made it, you know, tremendous. The content's amazing at Sports Illustrated uh, on the fantasy side and the gambling side. And now I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to make it, you know, as great as I can. Like it's, yep. so I, I've been blessed with the opportunities, you know, that I've yeah. had. And I've worked with a lot of great people, including yourself. My, and my thing was, so when I, Sirius XM was very interesting because I was at Sirius XM for the, really the kickoff of, of um, 
DFS and daily fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. I used to get phone calls on a nightly basis from Jason Robbins. Mm-hmm. From Jason Robbins, mm-hmm. who you cannot get on the telephone now. He would call my phone just about every night, and I would explain to Jason Robbins where he needed to put and spend advertising dollars at to make DraftKings a bigger company. Mm-hmm. People would be like, are you kidding me? And I'd be like, this is, I'm, this is, he'll tell you this. This is dead true. He will tell you this. Me and him used to talk on the phone for hours. So we ended up, you know, a lot of things went uh, sour and went haywire at Sirius XM. Some of the people that you love don't love me. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, so transition through that. And then I got to, to FNTSY, which is basically a spinoff of Sirius XM Fantasy, and was working with Scott and, you know, Scott again. And, you know, me and Scott, you know, we, you know, I, I, there's nothing in the world that I won't do for the King Scott angle and, you know, and guys like Dr. Roto and stuff like that. And we put a pretty good team. We were doing very good content, you know, and then, you know, we, we got over to FNTSY and started doing a show called the fantasy football frenzy. And I'm talking about it started jumping and popping. And every single day I would just come home and I would just do some research and get ready for the next day's show. And I remember one night I was doing some research and I was going through like people's Twitters and stuff like that. And this is when, like, I had already seen you on TV and stuff like that, right? But I didn't know you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I remember one night, people were getting on you. I believe it may have been, I, I if I'm saying the wrong name, I, I might be wrong. I don't want to, you know, put them in the crosshairs. It was definitely Matthew Berry. It was uh, Matthew Berry. It was, um, it might have been Brad Evans as well. They were more or less criticizing the start oh. sit column. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, they was like, it really set off a, a firestorm on Twitter. Right now, mind you, I don't know you. I, you know, never really read the column and stuff like that. So I, you know, I said, you know what? I'm going to go in here and I'm going to jump on Michael Fabiano too. So I went Michael Fabiano this, Michael Fabiano that. You know what I'm saying? And this is when I realized how big you were. Because after I did that, Mike, you would not believe this. My DMs blew up. Blew up. My DMs blew up. And so many people from the industry was like, oh, that was great what you did. That was great what you did. That was great what you did. I even got an email, a personalized email from somebody who is at the top of the industry who had never emailed me before in my life. You know what I'm saying? And I thought to myself, wow, Michael Fabiano must be really good because he got underneath a lot of people's skin. <laughs> well, I, I, and it's funny too because, you know, Barry did an interview where, uh, you know, he said that, oh, I don't criticize anyone in the industry, um, which, you know, which is, which is total crap. The, the, the thing that you're talking about, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it was about the column. Maybe it wasn't, I just wasn't aware, but Barry and I got into it over a tweet that he posted about Jim Nance and like, cause Barry and I were cool for a long, long time. Like we were, we were, yeah. we were friends. Uh, and so I, I don't remember the Stardom and Sidham thing. You know, people always came out. There was there was a couple of pe- people who came out and criticized that, but those people are just jealous. Like, yeah, I mean, you just got to you know people. Some it is what it is. You know, sometimes people are like that, unfortunately. Yeah, I've um, seen the traffic. It's not. It's, right. it, or they didn't, nobody, you know, they didn't like. No, some nobody else is like doing that. that. Nobody some else people, is doing that. Mm-hmm. Some people just don't like you because you're successful. Yep. So I mean, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Like the, a lot of people that don't like me don't know me. So. Uh, the whole, the whole thing with, with Barry was that like, he had criticized Jim Nance over something he said during a broadcast and 
I played in fantasy football leagues with Jim for years and years. He loves fantasy football. So, you know, I was like, I was like, Hey dude, like, I'd love to hear this audio, you know, of Jim criticizing fantasy football. And, 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 you know, Barry kind of got snooty with me and then, and then Brad kind of jumped on me and we were going back and forth with those guys. Um, you know, since then Evans and I have, have sort of just, you know, we're that's water under the bridge, you know, we're no doubt it's no big deal. But with Barry, there, there was a few other instances like where Barry tried to tear me down a little bit. I remember I was something that wasn't the Washington backfield, the Patriots backfield. No, it was, there, there was, there was a couple of instances. So like one of them was where he had done something about the San Francisco backfield. Yes. Something like that. And then, um, but he, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he had, he had specifically been talking about, I don't remember who it was, if it was like Matt Breeder, Alfred Morris, I can't remember who it was, but I had done something like where I was like just frustrated with the Niners backfield overall. And it was kind of a totally different thing. And he came out and said that I, you know, that I. That More I, or less you know, copied a segment. Right. Which is, I mean, he's the talented Mr. Roto, like, <laughs> isn't that copied? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, and then Barstool came out with something where where he copied something that they did. Like imitation is the sincerest form of, of flattery. I mean, like you know, dude, like it is what it. And and I I did unless unless he invented the rant, that you know, then of course uh, a lot of people have copied him, but he didn't. So there was that. There was the Nance thing. There was a couple of other things where I was running the celebrity league and I had Kate Upton in the league, but her brother was running the team and Michelle Beadle was uh, was in the league. And on a podcast, he was like, Kate Upton's really not in Fabiano's league. You know what I mean? Like, what do you like? Dude, yeah. Who cares? Like, why are you trying to tear me down? I don't say anything about you. And so, you know, it is what it is, man. Um, but most of the people in the industry are great. Do, do you have people that you don't like in the industry? Yup. Yeah. Do I 100%. have people that I don't like in the industry? Yup. One in particular who I can't stand. I'm sure you have them too. We all do, but because everybody's competitive, but ultimately I think the industry is pretty tight knit. I've got a lot of great friends in the industry, you know, including you and, and Bob Harris and others. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. But no doubt. And, ultimately, it's a good industry. No doubt. And I and I agree with you on that. And, and I, before we get into this game, I'll just hop on and say this. I'll be, I, I'll be honest with you, and I, and I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer or, or stuff like that. When people ask me nowadays, how do I get into this industry? You know what I tell them? Do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Do it yourself. Start at your own. Start at your own. Do it yourself. Have total control and total power over it. Because this way, what happens to me at FNTSY and Sirius XM and what happened to you at NFL don't happen to them. Mm. That's it. That's what I tell them. Do it yourself. You know do what I'm saying? Yep. Just do but your yeah, own thing. Like, like Brad's done his own thing. You know, congrats to Brad and, and yep. Jeff Blackliff and guys like that. Yep. Uh, it, absolutely. I, I never, I never went that route because at that point there was, you never had to Yeah. in the beginning. There was no, I, I got lucky, man. Like I worked hard, but yeah. I mean, like, listen, luck's a part of everything, right. No in, doubt. in life. I was at the right place at the right time. I got to you know work with CBS, which is a big brand. And I got to work with the NFL, which is a big brand. And now, you know, I'm at sports illustrated, which is a big brand. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I work hard, but I, uh, you know, ultimately, what I want to do is help people win fantasy championships. There is nothing yep. more satisfying to me than to have people reach out on social media, on text, friends, whatever the case may be. You helped me win. I had fun this year playing fantasy, listening to you. And that, that makes it, that's what I, that's, that's what I'm here for. That's yep. what I am here for. I'm not here to be controversial. I'm not here to, to hear myself talk. I want to help people win. And, and I think that's a, a big part of what we all try to do. All right, so now let's get into this, these division round games. You know what I'm saying? Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Michael, are you going back to the Buffalo Bill well? 
I am, dude. I, I'm sticking with it. I back when when the playoff teams were set, I said Green Bay, Buffalo. I know, I'm, I'm not going to change. I'm going. I'm going with Buffalo. Kansas Kansas City is is not beating the brakes off of anybody in a long time. I think they're you know the, the, their biggest margin of victory is like around six points. You know, in the last month and a half or whatever whatever you know the the, the, the time frame is. Buffalo's playing at a high level. The defense is playing at a high level. Mahomes is going to play, I would think, but he's not going to be hundred percent. Yep. I I don't know. I feel like just Buffalo's just like that 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 Cinderella's. They they should be a two loss team. I mean, outside of they haven't lost a game in forever. The only game that they lost was was the Hale Murray game. That was it. I mean, that was that was luck. A lot of skill by Nuke, but that was luck too. I just feel like they're playing at a high level. They've played better than Kansas City for most of the second half of the season. I know it's a road game, but it's not like that stadium is going to be full of frantic fans. I'm going Buffalo, and I've got a soft spot for Buffalo right now because Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs helped me win two titles. Uh, you know, on that Monday night game against the Patriots, like I, so I'm I'm rooting for Buffalo, no doubt. And in the NFC, you're going to stick with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Green Bay. Uh, I I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers get back after you know enduring what he did last year, who where he had a, had a bad season by his standards, where you know they got crushed by the Niners in the NFC Championship game. You know that they, they they just that that team went to the NFC championship game, but a lot of folks were not really thinking that that was a, a team that could contend for some reason, because Rogers wasn't playing at, at a high level. Now he's come out since they drafted Jordan love and, and sort of, you know, gave him the big F you, Hey, you want to draft my, my replacement here, here's 50 touchdowns for you. Bang. And um, I'd love to see Rogers get back. But honestly, like I said, at the beginning of the program, I don't care who wins. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. but I'd love to see Rogers and the bills uh, go against the, one another. Two of the really two of the great franchises in the National Football League who've never played in the Super Bowl against one another. That is crazy. Now that you mentioned that, yeah, and you're correct. I've never thought yeah, about Green that. Yeah, remember Green Bay played Kansas City. Uh, you know, way way back in, they can, in Lynn Dawson. Yeah, right. And Linda was the first Super Bowl. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, obviously, they've they, you know they they haven't been to many Super Bowls, so like there's not really much to say about that. But um, and the Super Bowl that they that they won that was kind of a blowout game. I remember Rich Gannon and the Raiders. They just came out flat. They didn't play well at all. And Tampa Bay that, that defense, that Tampa Bay defensive line dominated the Raiders' offensive line. Yep. Yeah, they just crushed it. But I'd love to see Green Bay and Buffalo get to the Super Bowl. Interesting stuff right there. I right, gonna get ready to wrap it up. Be back with you next week, Michael Fabiano's uh, championship round sit start found right now on si.com. Good stuff, my man. It was good hearing those stories. Yeah. And you know what, man, like for me with, you know, with the things with other folks in the industry, like I never want to come off as like bitter or anything like that. Yeah. It's all so, good. Man, I mean, that's the stuff like this happens. Everybody that I talked about works super hard and, you know, obviously they're very good at what they do um, be, because they are where they are, but that kind of thing happens no matter in what industry, whether it's fantasy football or whatever it is, you know, that kind of thing happens. But, but again, to me, the, I get gratification from working with people like you working with folks from, you know, sports illustrated, you know, during my time at the NFL and CBS and, 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 you know, cultivating friendships like Tristan Cockroft's one of my best friends in the industry yep. and just trying to help people win, man. That's what, that's what I'm all about. I just want to help people win uh, and enjoy fantasy football. And no doubt. And we thank you for that for Michael Fabiano's Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. We are out.